Good evening. All right. Um, if you are just joining us, that means you're late online. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Crazy word we live in, right? All right. Yeah, I need that one. Thanks, John. John. Okay, please turn your Bibles or your Bible apps to Psalm 91. Um, this is one of the uh, most popular verse recently <laughs> because of the trouble that we're in. I know Bentley, um, I saw a video of Bentley reading it. So uh, please join me. I'm reading from the New International Version. So if you, for those of you who are at home, you have no excuse. You have your Bibles there. Please uh, turn them to Psalm 91. I'm going to begin reading. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 3. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the word of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, praise and blessed and holy be is your name. We come to you once again in gratitude that we are able to praise and worship you and learn more about you tonight. Despite us being scattered within our own homes due to this virus that's plaguing us, we are grateful that you have provided the technology and that we are still able to gather virtually in some of us here in this building. As we take heed to the warnings and precautions you have given to us, we ask, Lord, that you guide us tonight, teach us and, spike, and speak to us through your message that you have given me. Father, as they hear my voice, may they hear you instead in their hearts and in their minds. As you continue to use me as your vessel, Lord God, I humbly ask you that you bless the message that you have given me. But at the same time, Father, I implore you to override it as you see fit. Speak to your people, Lord God. We rest and rely on you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I, um, 
entitled our message tonight, Can You Hear Me Now? Uh, can you hear me now? Remember, this, this is a, a phrase that was popularized by Verizon. Remember? They were bragging to the other networks that they have a better network, that they don't lose connection. And the catchphrase is, can you hear me now? This year has been a crazy year. Did you agree? Man, it's, it's only March 21. <laughs> I have in our screen... So that's the title. This is a mini-series. We're going to have a mini-series going to the Road, of the Road to the Cross series. Our mini-series will be about sin. As we read Psalm 91, I want to be able to, but I'm going to go through this list and I'm going to go back to Psalm 91, okay? But this is year 2020 in review. Uh, for those of you uh, folks, I, I don't think you're able to see it, but um, this is the list, at least as far as I observed it. Um, the first one was we were in the brink of World War III when there was a tension between us and Iran. There was a couple of earthquakes, I believe. There was one in um, Puerto Rico and, and another, another place. And there's a Ta'al volcano in the Philippines that was um, uh, erupted, I think, a little bit. Almost erupted. Um, and there was that helicopter crash that uh, killed nine people, including Kobe and his daughter. Then the Australia burning. There were some school shootings. Did you know that? In January, in various places. There were also some shootings in some restaurants uh, somewhere here in our, our state. And then there's that coronavirus concern. There was first reported and then first death and then now we are where we're at. And the uh, for some of us, this is, the more this is the most heartbreaking one, other than Kobe Bryant, this is the NBA shutting down. <laughs> and all sporting events and all gatherings are being taken away. And then recently, our economy has been reported that it is now in recession, officially. Yeah. Now, what do you see in this list? I was sharing it to the folks earlier here, that um, God has taken away most of the idols that the world has enjoyed. So my next slide is titled, entitled Idols Exposed. And in Exodus 34, 14, it reads, You must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Idolatry is not only statues. Idolatry is putting anything and anyone ahead of, ahead or above God. If you would look at the list of things that has been taken away from us to do or to have, these same things for most of the world have been put ahead of God or above God. And they have given them more importance than a relationship with God or, or, or with God. They, they pray to God to attain more money, hence the economy, right? More money for the economy. They want traveling. If you look at your, you know, I would say this. Facebook, all the social media platforms, I believe mainly Facebook because all the age brackets are in there, is the heartbeat of the world. Whatever you see your friends posting or even you posting, it somehow tells people that is what is more important to you. For some people, it's politics or what's going on with politics. For some people, it's their travels. Or some people, it's what they're eating, what they're wearing. 
It's about their favorite team, baseball, football, sports, what have you. It's their heroes in those sports. And all of those have been taken away now. Imagine you are now told not to work, but when you go home, you have nothing to do. <laughs> sports, if for those of you who love watching sports rather than coming to church, you can't even watch sports anymore than reruns now, right? Imagine that. If anything, there's only one thing, though, that God, God is still so merciful. He has still given us our loved ones. He has still has not taken that away from us, for some of us. There was this video of, um, of a, a parent and also a husband. And he was looking at his phone and there was an announcer. A game, it sounds like a game, uh, like a game host. He says, uh, you have, if you have two choices in, during this quarantine time, uh, the choices are A, you're going to be quarantined with your wife and your children, or B, and then even before the option B was given, he said B. <laughs> he said B, B. Basically, anything, anything and anyone other than his, hus his, his wife and his children, even before the option was given. But all the idols have been exposed. All the idols have been exposed. If you are at home right now suffering because of this quarantine time and you can't stand it, that you can't watch any sports, guess what your idol is? Sports. If money is now going to be an issue and it's causing you problems, that the economy is crashing down and then you, your employment, you were laid off for some odd reason or you were, your, your business was, uh, was considered non-essential and you were told that you'll come back 30 days from now, Money is your idol. If traveling is your idol, now that you're told to stay put and you're depressed and you don't know what to do and you're suffering as so you're looking at your photos of, of your travels and Facebook just continues to torture you, Facebook memory when you were in, you know, Philippines or Europe, right? Now it's all taken away. God is still so gracious. His giving Everybody, the whole world, a fair amount of warning and ample time to come and focus on Him. He must be our most important priority and person in our lives. And folks, that list is just based on my observation. And it's only March 21. You know, there's been other things. There's been U.S. military being targeted, um, you know, uh, federal websites being hacked. There's been other things that's been going around. And then now the most important one now, it seems like, it crippled the whole world with this coronavirus. And I want to say that all those things almost have the same thing in common. The common denominator is the fear of death or death itself. Now, the whole world, fear is looming all over the world right now. Fear of, of dying or getting sick. And some, again, if you're healthy and, you're, and, and your idol is money, you're worried about money. Right? The fear of death. But now, as we've read Psalm 91, the psalmist calms his soul and as we read it, it calms our soul too, right? And it reminds us, and mind you, if you read it again, it, it tells you how dangerous the world is out there. Because the, the world is really dangerous. 
But does it, if you're reading it and you're saying, well, if I believe in God, this is saying that if I believe in God, trouble will not come my way? Not really. I mean, you have to take the Bible for as a whole, a complete set of Word of God. Because we know that even if you are so close and so in love with the Lord, trouble will still come your way. Now, if we need an example of who really followed God wholeheartedly, we have Jesus to look at. But did trouble come in Jesus' way? Yes, trouble came in His way. We, we did study for the past two Sundays about the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus was imploring, like, Lord, if this, there is any other way, take this cup away from me. But not my will, but let your will be done. Still, trouble came his way. But that wasn't by accident. That was by God's design. And we also have Job, right? We also have Job to look at. Job followed God. Job was very faithful to God. But trouble came his way. So, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. If, if you are reading that and you really want it, and you want it to read the way where if I just really rely and rest on God, trouble will not come my way. Coronavirus will not come to my household. If, if, if you're reading it and you really want it to read that way, you know you're reading it wrong. Because why? Because there are believers that are out, out there that probably have acquired this virus. Right? Believers that are probably very faithful to God. Because... Psalm 91 tells us that the ultimate, the ultimate defeat, really, which is death, has been conquered by Jesus. Because the worst thing that can happen to us, which is death, is actually the best thing for us. Because then we'll go to eternity. right? We'll go to heaven. We will finally be in our perfect bodies. And we will, there's no more tears, no more pain. Right? We, will be, we will be in our perfect bodies. No more, no more muscle, muscle aches. You know, as, as I get older, muscle aches keep coming. It doesn't matter what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. They come either way. So, Psalm 91 doesn't guarantee us in Christianity. And God doesn't actually guarantee us a trouble-free life. It doesn't. It never, he never did. Because look at here. Remember Jesus' statement? Trouble is part of our life. I entitled this section, Trouble is Part of Our Life. John 16, I'm going to be reading from John 16, verses 32 to 33. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. No one, I, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. No one other than Jesus followed and obeyed his Father wholeheartedly and perfectly. Yet despite that, he faced trouble. And he forewarned his disciples that they too will be facing trouble in this life. In their lives, and they sure did, didn't they? Other than John, who wrote the book of Revelations, he was, he was uh, in the uh, island of Patmos, and that's where he read it. But everybody else were tortured, right? 
cut, got they, they, Peter got his, uh, he was crucified upside down. Paul got his head cut off. James was thrown out of the temple, uh, out of a building. Right? And so there's, Thomas was speared. It, it, so, so trouble came to the disciples' life. And us believers, so trouble, even though we don't want it, even though we didn't cause it, trouble come our way. Right? For those of you who have been following all the instructions, you know, sadly, it could possibly happen to you. You could possibly catch that virus. Because some people are not listening. Right? So it's, it's good that we prepare for the reality. Because the worst thing that can, what's the worst thing that can happen to us in this life? That is death, right? What, what is the whole world scared about? They're fearing death. Now us believers, we shouldn't fear that because we, again, we will go to heaven after this life. Now here's, Here's a quote by M. Scott Peck in his book, Road Less Traveled. And I quote, Life is difficult. This is a great truth. One of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because, only, because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Now, isn't that the same as what Jesus is trying to tell us in John 16 earlier? In this life, you will have trouble. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. But, 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 but what did he say? There is a sub-point there. There is peace in him. He says, but take heart. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Right? In Psalm 91, again, it reads the first two verses. It read, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And the same with the third verse and the fourth verse. The shadow or the wings is, is the shade or protection. Do you remember seeing children and then they're walking with their parents and they'll, they'll see a stranger or maybe you're the stranger and then, and then they're scared of you, they're concerned or they're shy? What do they normally do? They go, they go in between the legs of their father or their parents, right? Or behind them holding their parents' hand and for some odd reason that, that gives them, that gives them security. We, you, we either did that, or I've, I've seen, I remember Zoe and Jenna always do that. When there's a stranger that they're, they're not comfortable with, they go and hide by behind my back or between my legs. That's what they do. And then the shade represents, the shade represents protection from the heat of the sun, right? When it's, when it's very hot, you're looking for shade, you're looking for covering. And that is God for us. That is God for us. Now, with the situation that we are all in, this coronavirus scare, we're all told to quarantine, stay at home, right? We can't do our normal thing. And the sinful nature, right? The sinful nature that's still very much alive in all of us, even, I mean, believers, when we're told not to do something, 
guess what we want to do? That exact same thing that we're told not to do. Before, we were told not to come to church. Or we were told to come to church. And we don't want to come to church. Now we're told not to come to church. And I get people texting me, when is church going to open back up? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny how people, uh, it's funny how people are. You know, before we're complaining, I'm not complaining, how traffic all over the city is, you know, how much traffic we have. Now it's just open, right? Some people are missing that. Some people before were, were complaining how, how crowded places are. Oh, there's no more crowd, right? Strange world that we live in. And, but it's more strange, what more, what's more strange is, is our hearts. Our hearts. Imagine tissue paper being the number one in-demand thing next to rice for Filipinos, right? Tissue paper has been the most popular thing now. It's not even hand soap or hand sanitizers. It's tissue paper. So the peace of the Lord, he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. What does Jesus mean by that? If you know what Jesus meant by that, which is he died on the cross, he paid for our sins, that the ultimate death that we should all be fearing about, he has already paid for, we should have peace in that. Amen? We should have peace in that. Because in this world, this world, in this life, this life that we have here, this will end. We just don't know when and we just don't know how. But God has guaranteed us through Jesus Christ that we will live forever with Him after this life. You know, because of sin, because of sin, it ruined the perfect plan of God for the human race. Right? Sin has many definitions. But for me, I believe that the best definition of sin is us telling God that we want it our way. That we are the ones who's going to determine what is right from wrong. Right? That is sin. Because that's what attracted Eve, right? Because in the garden, in the garden of Eden, the enemy said, Oh, God doesn't want you to be like him. That you will know from right and from wrong, from good and from evil. That's what attracted Eve from that. So now, ever since then, we have been trying to determine what is right and wrong. And that is what sin is. Should I, should I, because the world, if, if you're going to determine, if you're gonna, going to let the world determine what is right and wrong for you, it will change as time goes on. It will change as time goes on. I, I heard that when the sexual revolution here in America was going on in the 60s and the 70s, in some parts, in some colleges, it was very much known that the, the professors were sleeping with their students, and that was acceptable. And now public opinion has changed, and those professors that slept with their students are going to jail, are being persecuted, because public opinion has changed. But with God, right and wrong for God never changes. Right and wrong for God never changes. It's so funny how we're shutting down the whole world right now so that nobody is, gets infected with this virus so that nobody would die from it. But then we get a certain number of people agreeing to abortion. 
and find no problem with that. Isn't that strange? Sin, the enemy, has clouded people's decision-making, has clouded our determination of what is right and what's wrong. But, in our verse here, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The world as we know it continues to tell us differently from what the Bible tells us. Right? And the world continues to fall. It's, continu it's continuously shattering right in front of our eyes. If you are taking peace, if you have peace in the economy, guess what's happening? It's crashing down and you're losing your peace. If you had peace with your career, now you're told your, your career is not essential. You stay home. Now you're, you're, you're losing your peace. If you find fulfillment in traveling and eating out and in stuff that the world has, has offered you, that the enemy has made you think that it is more, this is the most important thing that you do, now it's taken away. Now you've lost your peace. Because you didn't make God your ultimate, your most important person, your, your utmost being in your life. Now there's a second point here. We have three points there. The second point is our calling. Our calling as believers is this. You, this is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, for those of you who are online. I'll be reading from um, the ESV. Salt and light, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall, it, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are being summoned by our Father. Right now, more than ever, we are being called to do our calling, to do our duty as believers, to be the salt and light of the world. Most of your friends and your family who are not believers have lost their peace. They are troubled. They are worried. They are looking for answers. And sadly, some of them are still asking the wrong questions. I hope that you will take this advantage, this time and to your advantage for God's glory to manifest the peace of God in you. To, to, to proclaim God's peace that you have. Not just with your words, but with your life. They should not see their worry the same with you. They should see peace and they should wonder, what is wrong with you? Why are you not worried? Everybody else is. Where are you getting this peace? We have to be able to show this peace with our lives and we should be able to be bold enough to say it. To say it. Now, there's, if you're still afraid with this social distancing and you're still scared to share the gospel in print, 
in a text, in a phone call, there's really something wrong. It goes hand in hand. You living out the peace in you must be said by you to those who don't have it. We need to be the light in this dark world right now. We need to be the salt in this world that is just very stale. They have lost their purpose in life. They don't know where they're going now. They don't know what to do. My cousin from California just texted me. He goes, I need you to buy me some guns. This world is going crazy. You need to get me some guns. And he works for San Francisco 911. Imagine that. And he's scared. And his, 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 his source of peace is to have a gun in his home. Isn't it crazy? See, he's still asking me the wrong thing. He's asking for the wrong thing for me. He's still asking for a gun instead of asking for God. Give me your God. And I keep, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think I am kind of kicking them while they're down ever so gently. Because now, my cousins who have me on group text, now somebody, they started to talk about God. They go, I think, my, my cousin who knows everything, uh, the one in California, he says, I think, I think God is telling us that the most important thing is our family. That we need to focus on the most important, which is our family. And I said, no, not really. <laughs> I said, oh, you started the God talk. <laughs> so I said, no, not really. Even our families can be idols, correct? So I told him, even our families can be taken away from us. God is reminding us that we are not in control of our lives, but He is. God is reminding us that we made all these things more important than Him. And we need, He's giving us time. He's giving the world time to come back to Him. But believer, as you do this, you might not be welcomed. You might not hear the applause. You, not might, you, might, you probably won't hear a thank you from them. You'll probably have a fight with them. They'll probably get in, into an argument. They'll probably say, you Christian, you. You doomsayer, you. Right? Mark 13, 13 reads, And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. That's what Jesus said. But it shouldn't stop you from trying, trying to share to them the peace that you have, which is in Jesus Jesus that is in our hearts. The guarantee, Jesus didn't guarantee us that we will not get sick. Please don't read Psalm 91 that way. Jesus is saying that the ultimate payment for our sin, the biggest consequence that everybody needs to be worried about, we have salvation from that. So that should be our ultimate peace. And the third point, troubles, troubles are... Troubles and trials, what, like what we're, the whole world is facing now, and for us believers, this, these things serve as a blessing, right? They serve as a blessing. Read James, for those of you who are online, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The point I want to stress out first is trouble is a testing of our faith. 
Now, well, a good illustration here is our physical bodies, right? For the older folks like, like me, I'm 42 going on 43, I'd like to think that I'm still in my tip-top shape like I was back when I was in, in my 20s, my younger years. But I would be proven otherwise if I have to run after a bus. <laughs> if I have to run um, more than, I want to say, five seconds, <laughs> I will know that my physical body is not the same. Right? When you, if you want to test your physical body and your endurance and your strength, you go through a certain exercise with resistance. To test your speed, you have to go fast at a certain time. You have to meet a certain distance at a certain time. And to see if your stamina is still there, you have to keep running for a certain time, for a certain period of time. And if it's about your, your strength for lifting, you have, to be, you have to carry something with resistance. The heavier, the better, the stronger you are. Now, spiritually, it's the same. Spiritually, is the same. These tests that we are seeing, this, these trials, this trouble that we're seeing, it's testing our faith. This is how you will find out how deep or how shallow your faith is in God. And your faith in God and your trust in God depends on how much you know of God. So that's where the rubber meets the road for many believers. Sadly, some of us, are still stuck on John 3.16. And only John 3.16. They only enjoy salvation. They only enjoy the milk of our faith. That's why when troubles like this happen, they are questioning God's goodness and God's love together with the world. What is going on? What is going on, Lord? I thought you were good. I thought you loved us. Why are you sending this coronavirus? Even here in Reno. Why is this coming our way, Lord? I thought you love us. You know, it, it depends. How you can trust God, it truly depends on how much you know of Him. And it depends on what you know of Him is actually right, if it's actually based on the Bible. If you are reading, again, Psalm 91 in a different if in a wrong way, which is saying, if I, it says here that if I love God, he will be with me. He will bless me. So the opposite might, must be true. If I don't love him, then trouble will come to me. So we start judging people that are going through trouble. Oh, he's sick? Oh, because he's not obedient to God. He doesn't love God. That's why he's... No. We have Job to look at that again. Right? Job was very obedient, but trouble came his way. Jesus was obedient, but trouble came his way. The only true way to find out if you're still physically strong is if you test it with resistance, with distance, with speed. And if you challenge your body to move and carry faster and heavier than you would normally put it through. Same with our spiritual life. God is putting our faith through a test when troubles like this happens. When, when uncertainties like this is, is in front of us. God is testing our faith. Remember the disciples when they were on the boat with Jesus? And then, and then they, were, they faced a storm in the Sea of Galilee. Everybody was so worried because the winds were that strong and the waves were that strong. And Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. 
And then they woke up Jesus. After all the miracles that they have seen him do, they said a question, a rhetorical question, accusing God, accusing Jesus that he didn't care. They said, don't you care that we die? And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Christians, believers, I am hoping, I am hoping that your knowledge of God, your knowledge of His goodness and His power, is making your faith grow deeper and deeper in the midst of the storm, in the midst of this trial. Now, I entitled our message, Can You Hear Me Now? Because, frankly, in our troubles, that's when we will hear God, right? But before I get to that, there's a second point. And the second point is the verse 4. Let perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can you hear him now? Can you hear him now, folks? My loved ones, my dear loved ones, can you hear God now? Because this is the perfect time that we can hear him. You know, there's a, this is C.S. Lewis in his book, The Problem of Pain. And I quote, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists, insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That's C.S. Lewis from his book, The Problem of Pain. I tried ordering on Amazon. I was told it has to be after the coronavirus, April 21. They're predicting. <laughs> My dear FICF family and friends, can you hear God now? This is a very trying time that we're living in. A lot of people are in pain. A lot of people are in trouble. They their hearts are troubled. Now I'm hoping that you have surrendered your life to Jesus and that you know enough of Jesus that you can rest on his goodness, that you can trust him. Now for those of you who have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you still, you still don't have that peace that Jesus said, but I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, not overcome your coronavirus that you could possibly get but has overcome the consequences of the sins that you have committed, which the consequence is you going to hell. Jesus has covered that. There's peace with that now. So I pray, I hope and pray, that as we continue to go through these uncertain times right now, that we will draw our peace from our Lord Jesus. He is the only true source of the real peace that we need. It's not even the government, folks. It's not even the government. I saw a video where they were saying, um, I think it was Ruth Brockway's uh, post. It says there, it was a video of people in the bar. I think they were watching a, a sport, sporting event, but the, the, the graphics were saying, uh, this is what will happen when, when the uh, medicine or the, the cure for coronavirus is discovered and everybody in the bar started jumping and going wild. They started going wild. They said this is when the, the cure for coronavirus is discovered. Everybody was going wild. And you could see the pandemonium and you could feel it. And I could understand. 
And I'm pretty sure that's what the whole world will feel once the cure, once this, this coronavirus is gone. But there's a, there's a bigger virus that the world has been suffering in and with, which is sin. Sin has polluted the world from generations to generations. And you can celebrate like those, those crazy guys with joy. And, and you should be overwhelmed with joy. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you have the peace. You have the joy. If I, if I get the coronavirus and I die from it, I'll be in heaven. I'll be waiting for you guys. I'll put in a good word for you guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. You all have the good word from God. But does that mean I shouldn't care? I shouldn't wash my hands? No, I'm washing my hands. I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm obeying what the government's telling us, right? Well, at least we're trying. Six feet apart, ten people under. <laughs> um, I shouldn't be counted in that ten. <laughs> Um, so, anyway, that's our message tonight. So, I, I, we're going to have another message about sin next week. Um, so, we're, we're going to be discussing about sin. Because we're, our, our series is about road to the cross. I know our first part of that was, was Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Now, we're going to be discussing sin. So, as we, as we talked about the coronavirus tonight, and, and the peace, and the, the trouble that... This, this whole thing is costing us. Worry is a sin. If you are worrying, you are sinning. Because you are not trusting God. Because Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, Do not worry about anything, but in everything. Through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of the Lord that surpasses all understanding will be with you through Christ Jesus. Yes, isn't it true? For the people that have been prayerful, you pray, you have all these worry in your mind and in your heart, and you get down on your knees and you pray and you cry to God, and right in the middle of that prayer, you have peace. Because you know God heard you, and you know that God has you, right? You have to be very specific in your prayers. I, I, I know I'm, I'm going to close, and I have three minutes to go, so I'll give you this joke that I, I saw today. <laughs> There was a bus, bus load of um, 10 people, very ugly people. <laughs> That's the joke. We close now. <laughs> there is a bus full. Uh, there's 10 people, a bus full of ugly people. There was 10 of them. And they got into a car accident. They got into an accident. And they faced God. And God said, I'll give all of you a wish. I'll give you all a wish, and then you will have it. I'll grant it to you. So the first guy said, I want to be good looking. I don't want to be ugly anymore. So God said, you got it. So the second guy goes, wait, that's a good idea. So the second guy did the same thing. Third guy did the same thing. Fourth guy did the same thing. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. And then the tenth guy was, was on the floor laughing, 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 laughing his tail off. And the ninth guy goes, I want to be good looking too. So all of a sudden, all the nine guys were good looking. And the tenth guy, and God turns to the tenth guy, why are you laughing? What's your wish? And he goes, I wish that all, all of them become ugly again. <laughs> so what's the lesson of that joke? You want to be the last guy in that asking for the thing. No.
<laughs> no, your prayer, we need to be prayerful. We need to be specific in our prayers. We need to be persistent in our prayers. And we need to know that God hears our prayers. Amen? Amen. Can you hear him now? Can you hear him now? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you for constantly speaking to us, especially in our trying times. You are speaking and revealing to us everything about you and everything that we need to know about you, Father. Help us grow. Help us mature in our faith with you. Help us to know more about you. Help us to crave knowledge. Help us to want to be with you and spend time with you. Lord, everything that the world is giving us about peace, they're just all false hope, Lord. Our real hope and our real peace is in you. Help us, Father, to become the funnel of your true peace that only can be obtained through surrendering to your Son and accepting him as our Lord. Father, we ask for your protection. We ask for your healing for those who are sick. We ask for strength for those who are weak. We ask for hope for those who are hopeless. We ask for unity for those who are, whose relationship have been broken, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you just continue to use us and continue to speak to us and speak through us. We love you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.